Hello and welcome back to another episode of Wealthy Expat. This week I've got the legendary Dominic Neshi on the show with me. Dom, how are you? Very good, Chris. It's great to be back on the show. It's been a while. I've been watching and the show has been really good. I'm liking the guests, so hopefully I can be up to par. I think so. I think, uh, I think you fit the bill well. So I'm keen to have a chat to you and get your, uh, your insight on what you're seeing on the ground in Australia at the moment and, and fill in the audience overseas. So it'll be good to have a chat. I guess to start off with, we'll, we'll speak about the market as a whole. Um, it'd be good just to get a general overview uh, from just a general perspective of what you're seeing uh, across Australia at the moment, state to state. Uh, and then we can dig a bit further into some topics around how COVID's uh, affecting the market and and where you see current hotspots and residential property uh, in Australia and deep dive a bit further into it. But just to start off with, would you mind giving us a bit of an overview as to what you're seeing on the ground uh, across the country, really state by state? Well, generally speaking, we're seeing yeah. the whole of the market is performing well. Uh, recently, it, the, the growth rates have slowed down, but it is so, certainly still growing. Um, I believe that this is happening largely due to COVID. Um, we're all currently still locked up, or there's a lot of us that are locked up, particularly in um, Sydney. We've been locked up for a couple of months now. So what we've seen that during these times where people are locked up, there's a lot less stock on the market. People aren't listing it. And then we're also seeing a lot less buyer activity. This happened in Melbourne last year. It's happening in Sydney now. Now, what we anticipate we'll see is that as, the, as Sydney, as Melbourne, as these other states start to open back up again, um, we're going to see more stock come on and we're also going to see a lot more uh, demand and a lot more transactions. Now, if we're just talking about the general performance state to state, um, uh, recent CoreLogic data has shown that Regional centres have been growing very, very strongly at uh, you know, 20 plus percent in many markets. Now, as, a, as an annual growth, you've got Perth, Hobart, Darwin and Canberra all, or oh, sorry, uh, Hobart, Darwin and Canberra all at 20 plus percent as an annual growth rate. Uh, Perth at about 10 percent, Melbourne 10 percent. And then you've got Brisbane, Adelaide at that 15 percent and Sydney at about 19. So... If I'm going to be talking about those markets, I would yep. say one market we're paying attention to is Melbourne. Historically speaking, you see Melbourne and Sydney um, move kind of neck and neck. Sydney is certainly a lot more expensive, but the performance of the two cities is pretty similar. And the fact that Sydney's nearly 20% price growth and Melbourne's you know, about 10% price growth it's a clear indication to me that there's a lot of value left in that market and there's still a lot more growth to come. Now, another thing that, that we historically see is that in um, normally around this time, it's spring here in, in, in <laughs> Australia, in the Southern Hemisphere. And new, the, the news are typically put out, you know, articles about it being spring shoots. And it's typically because once the warmer weather comes about people are more interested in going outside doing open home inspections and that's typically when you see a lot more buyer activity now as we're saying a lot of us are locked up and the other states some of the other states have got a lot of restrictions so that is slowing down a lot of buyer activity so okay. i think that there's a lot of pent-up demand and it will come once things do open up 
Yeah, I guess the, that can it leads on to the, the next question quite nicely being, do you see this, I guess the, the trends that we have seen over the last 12 months and despite the lockdowns and, and COVID and the restrictions that have been in place, but when these restrictions, hopefully fingers crossed start to ease over the next six months and in the build up to summer, essentially spring and summer, uh, and hopefully things start to open again, that activity starts to flourish, but can you see the same trajectories kind of tracking along the same the same sort of trends for the next six months or is that you know when covid is hopefully you know as the effects of covid start to ease and, and people can live their life uh do you think the activity will pick up even more or do you think we'll start to see a bit of a, a plateau and an evening out of the current trends that we have been seeing over the last 12 months i think we're going to see a slower price growth but we will see price growth um, one of the things that we've noticed is that uh, there are a lot of investors that are stepping into the market. The most recent ABS data, they produce a report every month and it shows you how many loans are being taken out, the volumes, the nature of those loans. Are they owner-occupier or are they investor loans? And what we've seen most recently is that there are... a 100% more investors in the market now than there were last year. And the reason for this is, as we hypothesized, there's a lot of homeowners that have seen that 20% price growth. There's equity in those properties. Debt is cheap. You can go and get a loan for 2 2.5%, 3% max. So people are taking out the equity and they're looking at different investment opportunities across the country. Now, one of the, the, the effects that we've seen as a result of COVID is a lot of people are sitting, sitting at home, not spending their money. So when you've got a lot of disposable cash, you've got record low interest rates, and you've got people out there with equity in their homes, that's effectively a... a a group of people, that, that's a lot of pent-up demand is how I see it. Now, this pent-up demand hasn't got an opportunity to spend it at the moment. But once the borders do open, or once the, not borders, but once the, the, the world starts opening up for us over here, yeah. I, I do anticipate people will go out and buy properties. They will want to upgrade their own home to something bigger, something nicer. Some people want to move out of the cities into more regional areas, which is what we've seen. And there'll be a lot of investors that will step back into the market because there's a hell of a lot of opportunity out there. So I think we're going to see a, a lot of growth um, and it may even surprise a lot of people out there. Okay, that's interesting to, to consider. I think, uh, I guess if, if we can relate it to the way in which the UK markets responded post lockdowns and and now we've come out the other side and we've seen the market still performing extremely well over the last uh, three, well, what, it's been about eight weeks since we opened up or had our restrictions lifted and we could, could live again. But the trajectories that we've seen in the UK in the month of August have been awesome. I think it was about 6% price growth for August alone um, across the country. So I think that if we can look at the way in which the UK has responded post lockdowns and then, and then how the Australian market has performed over the last 12 months and then Hopefully, fingers crossed, Australia is going to be coming out of all these restrictions over the next six months. But I think there's some very positive signs for the Australian real estate market. Uh, and I guess it's it's hard to tell at the moment, but I think there is a little bit longer to run with some solid price growth. Touchwood. 
for the next well, few months. Well, the thing is, the thing is, um, a lot of people are scared to purchase, right? And it makes sense. We can't go out. It's very difficult. You can't even go out and buy a beer. So, you know, the idea well, of going is- out and buying a property is scary. <laughs> so, you know, when you're amidst something like this, it's very difficult to then muster the courage, go out and invest and spend a large sum of money. Now, all of the, all of the let's say, the, the, um, the armchair experts say, oh, I wish I had bought during the GFC or post-GFC. Yeah where things were discounted, okay? Of course. At the moment, there is still a lot of fear. And although the market has run, I do believe there is a lot of discounted markets. So it takes courage to enter the market, but there is so much opportunity. It just really does take a, a, a rational mind. It takes you know, a, bit of, a bit of perspective. And, and hearing what happened, what's happening in the UK is some of that perspective. The UK yeah. is open back up. The market has run. 6% in one month is huge. Yeah. And, and that can't be underestimated. So I think to all the people that are watching and listening to this, there's a lot that you can learn and take out of this. I mean, you do need to be courageous, but if, if you open your eyes and have a look around, there's plenty of opportunity. Yeah, definitely. It's, a, it's an interesting point. And I think something that I've been asked a lot over in the UK when speaking to a couple of expats recently is their concerns around feeling as though they've kind of missed the market in a sense. It's it's the fear that they've seen the market run so well over the last 12 months and they've had, you've experienced the, the price growth between 10 and, and, and 20%. But there's that concern from people over here about when is, or in their mind, they're thinking, when was the best time or when is the best time to buy a property? And do you have an answer to that? And is there a, a response that you could give to, to some of the listeners that may be over here, but it's, to try and clear those concerns about it not you're not missing the market, doing something acting now in a sense is, is the best thing that you could do. Um, but just having taken away the concerns around the fears of buying in an over, overvalued market in a sense. Well, there's all those, you know, sayings, oh, the best time was yesterday and the best time's today, <laughs> whatever. But I think it comes down to when you're ready. And when you're ready, it can mean a few things. It means when you've got enough money, when you're in a, in, a, in a stable position from a job point of view, when you're emotionally ready, once you've gone through the, the, the mental gymnastics that you need to, to go and divorce yourself of so much of your cash. So it's a lot of yeah. people sit on cash and it gives them this sense of security. So then separating yourself from that cash is very scary, especially when you spent years and years and years saving it all up. It's a big decision. Yeah. So... I mean, for the, to answer your question where people ask, is, is now an overvalued market? I certainly don't think so. Um, if I had more money available, I would still be purchasing. And yeah. I don't, I think that people that try to outgain the market are doing themselves a disservice. You know, if you're trying to, predict when specifically to buy because you think that there's going to be 5, 10, 15% price drop. Australia hasn't seen or experienced these big price drops that other countries have. Yeah. We have a very st- a stable political environment. Um, we've got a lot of 
money built into our system. Like there's, there's a lot of people are forced to save superannuation. The government incentivizes the purchase of assets through different schemes. Um, we're, we're in an environment, as you're saying, that the, the, we're at record low interest rates. And although only recently we've shown that there has been some inflation of about 3.8%, which is more than normal, which is typically at 0.9, it's, I don't, we don't, all the major economists are saying they don't anticipate there to be any major movements to the interest rate. So I think that now is a good time to be entering the market, going and buying good quality assets in blue chip areas where you've got a stable income and the income is enough to cover most, if not all of the, the costs of that asset. Yep. So the way I think about it is if it costs you, if, it, if it's if, if you're at record low interest rates, what better time to go and secure or lock in a loan? If not now, when? Yeah, exactly. It's very true. You can sit there and think about it and dwell over it and think about, you know, thinking about when is the drop going to come, for example, this is, might be going through some people's minds and just thinking, okay, let's wait until prices start to dip. But that might not come for another 12 months and you could miss out on, another say 50, 100 grand in growth over the next 12 months. Um, so I think it's, it's a matter of, of making a move and, and act, acting on it. If you're in a position to acting on it uh, in the current market, I don't think there's, I don't think you've missed the boat yet. I think there's still an opportunity to do very well. And like you touched on with the cost of the property covering a lot of the expenses, uh, if not all of them. Um, and I think that's an important thing to consider as well. So no, it's a good point. And, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it does perform over the next six to 12 months. But I think some very, very positive signs ahead for the Australian real estate market. Chris, the thing is, you know, when I say people want to gain the market, buying real estate isn't about buying something today to flip it tomorrow. Largely, the people that are listening to this, they're not property developers. Yeah. And that's a different gamble. It's a different kettle of fish. We're buying real estate because we want to hold it. We want to hold it for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Yeah. And until you own it and until you've experienced what it can do for you, it's hard to conceptualize what 10 years in the real estate market can do for you. So... Don't I'm not I'm not so concerned about the short market movements. When we're talking about hey, the market's going to move 10 or 15%, that's good strategically because it means that it gives us access to equity quicker to then buy another asset. Right? Yep. And I don't think that people can save faster than the property market is moving at the moment. So if you buy a fifty thousand dollar, five hundred thousand dollar asset in Melbourne. It's underperformed recently and it moves by 10%, 500,000 grown by 10%, 50K in your pocket. I don't know a lot of people that can save 50K in a year, yeah. right? Over two or three years, if it moves 15 or 20%, it's 100K, 20%. Yeah. It's a lot of money. And what that does is enables you to keep on accumulating. And the real, we have to not lose sight of the end game. It's, it's 10 years. It's about yeah. holding that asset so you have half a million, you have a million dollars in equity. Because this is when you can, this, this is life changing money. When you've, when you've yeah. used your first asset, you've taken equity, you've bought another asset, 
the, these two properties or three properties, there's income being derived from them, there's tax incentives, it's covering all your costs, it's covering all your debt, and it's effectively this free equity that you're creating into the future. When you look back at your bank account, you look at your portfolio assets, and you've got a million, a million and a half, two million dollars worth of equity available to you, this is life-changing money. Then you can start making different decisions. You can say, do I want to keep on working? Do I want to sell down the assets and buy my dream home? Do I want to keep on investing? This is a really exciting position to be in. And I just don't think that people need to get caught up in the bullshit of the market's going to move five, six, three yeah. percent, whatever it is in six months. It doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. Think big picture. It's the, the moral of big the story, picture. really. It's always about the big picture with property investing. And I let's speak, let's talk a little bit about some areas that are specific focus at the moment or of interest to us we see as the most opportunistic markets really in Australia at the moment and would I was thinking about this yesterday and thinking about how to approach it but I was wondering if you're seeing a larger shift of interest or inquiry coming out of a specific state so say that it might be Queensland or, or New South Wales or Victoria but are you seeing a lot more interest coming out of one state opposed to another and then if so, what do you think the reasoning behind that might be? So if I'm, if I'm hearing your question correctly, are you asking yep. me where the interest is coming from or where the yep. interest is going to? Well, where the interest is coming from initially and then where the interest is going to. So is there, well, you know, I'll, yeah, you go for it. Yeah, we have, we talk to hundreds of people weekly and you know, that's certainly not a broad spectrum. Most of the people we talk to are from New South Wales. We do talk to some people in Victoria. Um, so I'm not a very good litmus test of where all the interest is coming from. Sure. But there is a general excitement for the Queensland market, for Brisbane in particular, because of the Olympics. Of course. Um, there's always a lot of interest for the Sydney market. And, you know, this is why... I think, you know, people say it's too expensive. People now are jumping up and down to try and do a house and land pack 60 kilometers away from Sydney CBD and spending one and a half million dollars. Crazy. So, you know, there is a lot of widespread demand. I'm seeing a lot of interest, particularly for land content. Um, apartments aren't in vogue at the moment. So a lot of people don't like apartments. They're a bit scared because of a few things. One, not that long ago, we were having quite a few issues with um, build quality defects. And, and there was a lot of media hype around that. Um, that's not to say that it was unfounded. There were certainly some issues that were having there, but it's not a broad issue. It's not a systemic issue, but also supply. There was problems around people thinking there's too much supply, it can't, the demand can't keep up with it. Um, so we're seeing a lot of interest for, for land content, townhouses, houses, and we, we are starting to see quite a lot of interest for, for, for affordability. So the homeowners that are coming to us are, are pulling out equity. They've got 150 to $200,000 in equity and they're saying, what can I buy? And the question is, what can you afford? But um, there, there is a lot of interest around that sort of less than 750. But that could just be me projecting because our strategy is to buy beneath the median sale price. And that's the way we like to direct our clients. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's interesting to know. And 
I guess being a Queensland boy, I, I see the, the Queensland opportunity up there. And at the moment, mum's actually looking at investing in Queensland. Again, she's uh, in initial discussions once again, but there's the opportunity in Queensland that we've seen with the Olympics coming and, and the price growth that they've seen over the last, uh, I guess, 12 months. But I think that the bigger opportunity, and this is something that we can dig into a bit further, but I think the bigger opportunity at the moment is in Victoria. And it's not to, to say, to tell people that New South Wales and, and Queensland's a bad idea, but I think the opportunity in the Australian market at the moment is largely held in Victoria and more so Melbourne. Um, and like you mentioned at the start of this show, how it's kind of the big, uh, the small sister or the small brother to Sydney. So they're about 10 years behind Sydney in terms of their growth rates and their population increases. Um, but do you see what well, the population is almost as big as Sydney? And I've seen some data say that it's actually larger than Sydney. Really? So yeah. It's so taken off. Yeah, they, they, the property prices are certainly lower, but it's it's yeah. um I think one of the reasons why it has been depressed in that market is obviously COVID, but Sydney, Melbourne are largely dependent upon migration. Lots and lots of migrants come into Australia, they land in Melbourne and they land in Sydney. That's 150,000 people per annum that have not been coming into our country and into those two cities. So a lot of people, if you're following uh, demographic data and interstate migration, a lot of people are leaving Sydney and leaving Melbourne and moving to Brisbane for the warmer weather and for affordability. So when you've got people with high incomes, good or good disposable income, a strong deposit, leaving these expensive or more expensive markets going into a cheaper real estate market, they yeah. tend to pay a little overs. Same thing's happening with okay. regional cities. I bought a place not that long ago. It was on the market for two days. And, and because I saw value there, I made a strong offer and I, I just took that property. I didn't yeah. want it to wait. So we're seeing a lot of people migrating, going to Brisbane. That's why we're seeing that price growth. Okay. And that's why we're seeing subdued price growth, particularly in, in Melbourne. Sure. Yeah, on a regional perspective, and this is something different, something that we don't really work on, but where is most interest coming from or going to for regional towns? Which, which regional towns are of particular interest to investors at the moment? Regional cities, should I say. All <laughs> regional cities. All regional cities are getting a lot of attention for affordability. Um, particularly yeah. stuff that's coastal. I think the COVID thing is yeah. it's it's shaken up the way that people live and work right now i'm living lakeside i'm an hour and a half out of sydney where normally i'd live right in coogee like not far from the city I've, I've changed pace i've and you know in our office yeah. we obviously you work in london and our team has the flexibility and freedom to work wherever they want yeah so i've taken that very literally and i'm moving away you know i read some recent studies where uh Basically, the studies that were coming out of Victoria University were suggesting that something like 60 or 70% of people, 60 or 70% of people uh, expect to be working, you know, no more than three days in the office now. There's an expectation. And I saw some, another study not that long, something like 40% of people, if they were told they had to go back to work post-COVID full-time into the office, they would quit. So there is a seismic shift in the way people are thinking, the way they're feeling, the way they're working. Yeah. So it's crazy. It's, it's changing the way that people are investing and where yeah. they're moving to. 
Well, yesterday in the papers over here, Scotland announced that they were going to trial a four-day working week. And for somewhere like Scotland to announce that as well, it's incredible to, to think that the way, in, or it's just COVID essentially sped up the way in which uh, the working environment's going to now be taken out in a sense. So it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting looking at how the, I guess the, the results of COVID, how it's influenced uh, our lifestyles and the way in which we live um playing fetch there um but yeah it's it's a it's a very interesting point and, and some very valid uh points and it's gonna it's gonna shape the way, way in which we live as well people are it's still happening here people are moving further out of london or birmingham manchester leeds liverpool whatever it may be and, and further away from the capital cities and enjoying the the space and having some fresh air and somewhere that they can have a family and, and buy their dream house essentially for a fraction of the price as well so it's all these lifestyle factors that i think uh, are going to change over the next or continue to change really over the next six to 12 months as we shape the the new world you could say in a sense but another question that i wanted to ask you as well and this is kind of unrelated to property in a sense and it's around different investment uh different investment strategies but a big one of something that's been a particular focus in the uk at the moment and there's been a lot of talk about it is the cryptocurrency market and obviously people have got a lot of uh, accumulated cash at the moment or a fair few people would uh sitting there they've been sitting at home they haven't been able to spend their money and now they've got this accumulated cash and people are looking for alternative investment opportunities but what's your opinion and how do you see uh, cryptocurrency investing competing with the property market in a sense they're, they're different very 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 different yeah. Um, I think that cryptocurrency has a place in your portfolio. Um, I don't think it should be bigger than your real estate portfolio, <laughs> but I'm biased. Um, I think that there is a lot of money to be made in that market. It's still in its infancy. There's a lot of people that have made lots of money. I think the allure of making small bets and becoming an overnight millionaire is attractive. I think that there are a lot of people that will lose money because people like to gamble and, you know, everyone wants the easy way to win and no one wants to do the hard work. However, I do believe that it could be a legitimate wealth store. And there, there is certainly a lot of opportunity in that market with cryptocurrency, with NFTs. There's a whole space there. And I, I think it, it pays to have an open mind um, and to, to learn and to try different things, but make those bets in a safe way, um, being yeah. measured. And I'd say don't put in more than you're happy to lose, especially if it's all that you got. Um, when you're in a point where you've got a portfolio full of assets, again, make, make those educated guesses. Some, yeah. what in the venture capital world, they say go for your, your um, portfolio earners. So it's the stuff that can do 100x. But you don't want all of your investments to be in a 100x investment because it comes with the, the respective risk. Of course, that makes sense. Uh, it's no, it's going to be an interesting, I think, I'm, I'm interested to see how cryptocurrency plays out over the, the medium to long term. Now, I think that, wait, well, what, five years ago, we saw a massive shift uh, in Bitcoin and Bitcoin went from 15,000 to about 40,000 overnight, almost at one point. And I think that I, I'm in, I just want to see how it's going to play out over the next uh, five, 10, 15 years. I, I think there's some massive value there and it, it doesn't seem to be slowing down or stopping. So 
we'll see how it does play out. Last question, Dom, and this is one that you ask your guests as well. Uh, I think we, we both do the same thing really at the end of our shows, but what does a wealthy life mean to you? Let's get your take on this question. Wealth, wealthy life to me is, is about freedom. It's, and I think there's a lot of people will say the same thing where it's the ability to do things in your own terms. And I feel like a lot of us have that luxury now being able to work wherever you want or work so many days from home. We have the luxury of running our days the way that we want to run our days. So I think that that is a wealthy life. I think that that's, you know, with that, you have choice, freedom to, to, to go for a walk during the middle of the day, spend time with your family, to take up painting, to work your ass off in a business venture. To, for me, that's, that's a wealthy life. Freedoms is what, yep. what's really important. Um, being chained to doing something that I don't want to do is not a wealthy life. So that's, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, definitely not. Got to enjoy what you want to do. You've got to enjoy. Yeah, that's it. Enjoy life. Exactly. No, well, it's been great to have you on the show today, uh, Dom. Really appreciated speaking to you and great to get your insights on what you're seeing on the ground in Australia. I think there's going to be a lot of interested listeners back in the UK. Uh, keen to hear your opinion on everything. So thank you for joining me. It's really good to be on the show. And for all of you out there, remember, like and subscribe. Leave some comments. You know, that's the thing. I like to see people with different contrarian points of view. Tell us what you think a wealthy life is. Tell us if you think I'm full of shit on cryptocurrency or a particular <laughs> market. Ask us questions, engage, get involved. Um, we, we really appreciate it. We like to have diverse conversations, test what, we, what we're saying. And um, thank you, Chris. I appreciate no you doing a great job. And uh, I'll catch you all later. All right. Thank you, everyone. And thank you for listening. We'll speak to you soon.